phone again. Hey, Tris. I'm looking for you everywhere. This is the one I was telling you about. Don't you have any friends who'd be into her? Uh, you know what? That's okay. Thanks, anyway. Oh, well, you know, Gary's in college. You could totally have better luck with college guys. You know, that's when guys really get into stuff like how smart a girl is. You know, it's not all about look. Yeah, Gary seems real deep. But I guess Ira Silverberg's daughter doesn't have to worry about looks. Um, I came here with someone, actually. Really? Yep. Who? My boyfriend. Your boyfriend? Yeah. Whoa. Well, I guess you should be getting back to him then. Yeah. Okay. I'm, well, I'm going to go see him then. Hi. Um, I know this is going to sound weird and I'm a total stranger, but would you be my boyfriend for five minutes? What? Him? Okay, just be cool. Just be cool. Just please, just go with it, okay? Together, um, Dr. Man, Mano Manowitz. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike, and we are going an entire year into the future after Juno to discuss Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I feel like a movie that came and went and nobody made a ruckus about it, but here we are to, as the Wu-Tang Clan would say, to bring the ruckus. <laughs> and as... As every other every other podcast that's ever discussed Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, of course they lead with the Wu Tang Clan because it's the same <laughs> the same exact audience. <laughs> you know, I I love when before I got well before we had iPods. Uh, we're, we're I think we're the last generation that is going to remember a time before the iPod and iTunes. Mm. Before I had the iPod, before I even had CDs, what I would do is I would take a blank cassette and I would wait for a song to come on the radio and immediately hit the play and the record button. You got to press them simultaneously, otherwise it doesn't record and record the songs that I loved 
and then that would be my mixtape. And I never did this for a special young lady, and and I do. I, I wish I had that opportunity, but I was way too uh, way too shy at the time. Even to this day, sometimes my wife walks in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she, I think she sees me. I'm still a little shy, <laughs> and I never did that. I did once, one time, Web. Well, I, no, I take that back. I attempted to. It was a mixtape request when I was in sixth grade, and it was it was a young lady that was moving away. There, now there was no. I was probably too young for any. I mean, all of us are too young for actual like relationships, even like getting into like high school territory. So it was more of like you know, you like someone, you pass some notes, maybe you talk in the cafeteria, but you have no real outside like life. It's it's just a status symbol type thing. It wasn't even that. I think she just found me awkwardly amusing in sixth grade, and she just <laughs> wanted something uh, equally awkward to remember me by. And she's like, "Yeah, make it, you know, make a tape like of of like you know songs you like and you know, music, and then you know, basically like I was gonna be DJing just for her. Like it was like a radio show. It was like actually <laughs> yeah. a test run for podcasting. And much like my podcasting career, if you want to call it that." I think I got like a few songs into it and I'm listening back and I'm like, God, this is atrocious. Like who would ever, <laughs> this is some terrible, terrible shit. And I ended up not even giving it to her and apologizing, being like, you, you don't want to remember me like that. I don't want you to remember me like that. Like, let's just have a hug and say our goodbyes and just leave the relationship like that. Uh, which is, you know, maybe the first time in my young life that I ever disappoint a woman. First of many. <laughs> Saying I'm not up to the task. Well, our protagonist here, Nick, has the exact opposite of that kind of a, an effect and th these actions. The film opens with him on his, like, 12th breakup mixtape that he's making for Oof, uh, his, his ex-girlfriend. And I, that brought back so many memories because I did oh, befriend no. a young lady uh, in <laughs> several years ago. And, and I did make... And the way that we kind of became friends was through music. And this young lady was not significantly younger, but the age really began to show when we traded CDs. I'm like, I'm going to put a CD together with all of my favorite stuff, and you're going to put a CD together with all your favorite stuff, and then we're going to trade. I had a pretty eclectic mix of, you know, I, everything from the Beatles to uh, the Lonely Island, um, and even uh, the... the <laughs> A very famous German rap band, uh, the the Fantastische Vier, which translates to the Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh, I I had a this very <laughs> when she hit that track. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I, I have no idea how she reacted to that track in particular. But I think overall, she was probably taken aback by like, what is this CD? Meanwhile, mm -hmm. I'm listening to Five Seconds of Summer, One Direction, a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like, Ooh. wow, this is really not what I'm about at all. But being the generous, generous and, and very lonely soul that I was, I was like, I'm going to look into One Direction, <laughs> goddammit. The infamous night when Webb researched One Direction. <laughs> I'm sure this went well. I'm sure your your heart and mind was changed by this young lady's influence. You know what? I was at my used, uh, the local used DVD shop, and I found a documentary DVD about one of their concerts. And it was called, I think it was called This Is Us. 
Anyway, I immediately like texted the young lady. I was like, "Hey, I just found this documentary, like this this you know uh, um travel log thing about what you want us to watch it together." And she's like, "Yeah, sure." And we did end up watching it. And one of the scenes that I flipped out on was backstage. <laughs> one Direction is hanging out, and who who shows up but Martin Scorsese? I'm like, God. what? What are we watching? And I have to lose my shit. She's like, who's that old guy? I'm like, old guy. <laughs> I'm like, that's Martin Scorsese. You don't know who Martin Scorsese is? And of course she didn't. And uh, Marty, good old Marty was there because uh, one of his young daughters, I believe, wanted to watch the One Direction live. <laughs> the One Direction. I just called them The One Direction. Wanted to watch One Direction live. <laughs> And he goes backstage and talks to them. It's like, hey, this is the first time I'm listening to your music. It's really good. And, you know, he's giving them a bunch of, you know, a, a pat on the mm-hmm. back. And boy, uh, that whole scenario ultimately did not end well. Um, <laughs> the movie was okay. Right, but I mean, for just you, not for Marty. Yeah, the relationship essentially it found a a natural end that I wasn't happy with. But the young lady essentially was, it was expedited like, it's best by the. Uh... The One Direction documentary viewing? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> In fact, it, it took it to a whole new level. That, that relationship really took off after wow. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but ultimately, yeah, the young lady uh, was very uh, firm as to like, you know what? I think this is it. And even after that, I was still on the mixtape, the mixtape train, and I was like, maybe if I find the right songs in the right mm-hmm. order. We can get this baby back on track, just like Nick was doing throughout mm-hmm. the opening scene, which we'll get to this movie eventually, I think. <laughs> I think this movie, you don't you have to set up your own personal experience uh, with this? You know, you mentioned in the previous episode the sort of timeless nature of Juno by, by it being such a portal to the Diablo Cody brain that uh, it maintains its timelessness because no one no one speaks like that. It's such a personal uh, viewpoint from her. I, I think I don't think this one is personal as far as there's no characters like Nick or Nora. However, you, you started this back before both of us gave her, or I don't know if I'd say equally horrific, but equally awkward mixtape <laughs> experiences <laughs> in romance. This film kind of has been lost in time, and maybe it's the specific nature of when it takes place. Like, it's a certain time, like, the, the I guess the sort of emo scene, uh, you know, the, the haircuts. You're, you're mentioning the, the, the iPod uh, being, like, not just a status symbol, but it is seen as this great piece of technology for shared communal experience that these kids are all seeking. They're seeking that connection. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, this this very much is from that mid-aughts, I guess, time period. And I wonder if <laughs> anyone but us as grown men are like, you know what? It's time to go back to Nick and Nora. It's time to, <laughs> to see with our adult eyes uh, what we, we make of this. Uh, and I, that, you know, that brings me to a question. Usually you kind of throw them at, at me and I, I I don't answer effectively. Um, I'm, I, I try to be as much like our shared comedic hero, Norm MacDonald. When you ask a question, I just end up talking about what I want to talk about anyway. <laughs> just, <laughs> 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 
But my, I guess, very plain uh, vanilla question to you is, uh, is this a first experience with this film for the podcast, or had you seen it before? I had seen it once before because I was a big fan of Michael Sarah during that time, and I think everybody, uh, for the most part, was interested in what he had to do. Uh, and also Kat Dennings. I also liked her quite a bit as well. I can't remember. I, I remember seeing her on some TV show, and I was like, I want to see more of her. And unfortunately... I think this is kind of her peak, at least for me. Uh, everything she's been in since has been either way off the mark or something I feel like she's just not cast uh, in properly. I, I actually I like mm. her so much, though, despite her <sighs> choices in in projects, that I got a hold of several seasons of Two Broke Girls. It's a, it, I think it lasts about six seasons. About five seasons in, I was like, I'm getting kind of tired. See, I thought you'd be totally in favor of her career decisions because you're, you're a sitcom junkie. You're, I, mean, I know, right? You're bordering on sitcom historian at this point uh, with your, <laughs> your collection. And so her decision to to go into that field, which is not very well respected, except by you. Uh, you, you love the, the format. Uh, and to, to make her money, I'm assuming she got some syndication money. I, I thought you would respect her, her choice, but I, I agree with you, I guess, from in the, uh, in movies, she didn't really take that next step like you would expect after something like this. No, she didn't. Uh, two poor girl, in terms of two poor girls, I do appreciate that she is in a sitcom. I just wish it was one that was a little easier to digest. And, and then fans of two poor girls, even, even the diehard ones, hopefully you kind of know where, where I'm coming from. I, I really do appreciate her casting in this role and the way that she plays the character. And her chemistry between Michael Sarah is one that I think is very underrated. Uh, the two do a really great job uh, as the night goes on. That's another thing I like about this film. And, and I believe this is my second viewing and one I appreciated much more. Because I, I forgot how much I enjoy the films that take place over the course of several hours. Where... You are with these characters, and you can have these incredibly poignant and, and meaningful experiences with somebody else who you've just met. And it, it speaks to the film, I think, because it's so effective. Like, I do appreciate from where they start to where they ultimately go. The, the, the I guess, I, I assume it is fingering that occurs in the, uh, the Electrical <laughs> Land Lady Studios. They don't, they, <laughs> Well, you just you just jolted me back into the conversation, or it's like, well, we're just <laughs> we're just getting to the nitty gritty here, aren't we? <laughs> no, we're just gonna skip all that boring Linklater stuff as far as the talking. <laughs> we're gonna get to the fingering. <laughs> That's what Webb's interested in. The, the reason I say that is because the beginning of the night starts off with her being like, "Can you pretend to be my boyfriend?" To something as intimate as as you know, letting him inside her and and that's about as intimate as thing as you can get and so i really do appreciate her work in this film and unfortunately i feel like she and sarah are the only ones who are really putting forth an effort sometimes because the supporting players oh. in this the supporting players in this feature are not at all captivating what did you think about Everything outside of Nick and Nora. The movie is called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, and it's all about Nick and Nora. I feel like they don't get much help from anywhere else, and that might be why the film ultimately didn't resonate with audiences. Hmm. Well, see, I really like the uh, 
I mean, maybe it speaks to my, um, you know, until this this recent uh, marriage, maybe my my failed uh, dating life uh, and failures only on my my choices and what <laughs> what sort of damage I seek out for myself. I, I really like the Caroline character, who is a complete fucking drunken mess. Now, <laughs> is she effectively used? She's, uh, you know, she is the Indiana Jones red line as a character. She's just a reason for Nick and Nora to just bounce around the city to find the presumably helpless best friend. Although I think through sheer force of will and aggression, um, I don't, I don't know what's going to become of Caroline. I feel like she's just going to demolish anything in, in her path. Um, this actress's name, I forget. Um, well, who is this this actress who's also kind of like a background player? Ari Grainer? Do you, are you familiar with her? I am absolutely not. So, like, I'm just looking at her IMDb. She's in What's Your Number, which is an Anna Ferris, Chris Evans rom-com that I, I like, which also um, seemingly no one else did. Kind of a, a blink-and-you-miss-it type thing. She was in Whip It with uh, Juno. Uh, Ellen Page, and she was in The Disaster Artist. Uh, so, you know, she's just one of those faces, I guess, that pops up as like a comedic uh, supporting player. I actually like her. Like I said, I I mean, you can see the puppet strings behind the character. Like, if, if you want to say, it's not a fully formed character. Uh, neither is the, um, the uh, queer core band that Nick is uh, a member of, the Jerkoffs. Uh, or I guess, you know, they're the Jerkoffs <clears throat> for a certain segment of the film, but the one of the running gags is that they're constantly looking for uh, another another name. I mean, I don't have an issue with it, Webb, because I feel like all of them are fairly likable. Like, I like how supportive they are of Nick uh, in trying to, to get him past this hideous ex-girlfriend, but they are supporting players in the truest sense. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else to them other than uh, they exist in this world so Nick and Nora can have this one night. So for that, uh, that type of story, that's all I really need because I, I do find Kat Dennings and Michael Sarah to be totally charming and winning, uh, together. I actually think Kat Dennings, she reminds me so much of, uh, a girl that I did, uh, go out with for a time as far as that. She plays this like in between place very well. There's a sequence I really, uh, like in the film, uh, that reminded me of, uh, some of my experiences where, you know, she keeps her cards kind of close to her vest, but if you pay attention, you kind of notice the, the sort of nuances of her particular brand of affection. And there's a sequence after her kind of horrible uh, on-again, off-again boyfriend, played by Jay Baruchel, in a very un-Jay Baruchel-like role, where he's yeah. the super douche. As You know, what happened to the... Uh, yeah, the the lovable dork with the the nasally voice that's always being picked on. Um, what was that film with the with Alice Eve, which is basically like, it's like a Seth Rogen movie where it's the premise is who would ever fuck this guy, especially Alice. You're Eve. out of my league or something like that. Yes, yeah, something like that. Um, I actually like that he's like getting the heel turn here because it was so different. But in that sequence where he shows up, it's like Nick has started to consider like, hey, maybe she's interesting. And then this super douche shows up and just like slams the door in his face, uh, figuratively. And you can tell that sort of crushing blow of, uh, I guess you would just say like an early stage of a crush 
it's like, you know, the cold water. And he's just like, oh, okay, no, that I, my instincts were wrong. And Kat Dennings has this moment where she kind of comes up to him and just like pecks him on the shoulder, like trying to like re-engage with him. I, I just found all of those like little moments uh, so identifiable because uh, I don't think maybe that's your issue with the supporting players. I don't feel like our two leads play anything too big. Like, I feel like this little flirtatious dance they're going on um, is actually more restrained than I would expect from this type of, uh, you know, I guess, youthful romantic comedy. And all those little things that you do mention really do add up. They all add up to the moment at the end where Michael Sarah and, and Kat Denning, it's after, I guess Fluffy is that band that they're like searching for the entire night. Another Indiana Jones red line. Yes. I guess, I guess Fluffy is the Ark or the Holy Grail here for these <laughs> young emo loving kids. And she says like, well, you know, I'm sorry that we didn't get to see Fluffy. I think they're just spending all that time together with, with each other. And ultimately it doesn't matter to them because that, what really means something to both of them at the end of the day, at the end of the night is them. And so those little things that you mentioned, they absolutely do add up. Uh, the, and the moments that I really cheered, like I forgot that they almost exist. And, and I kind of wanted to slap myself in the back of the head when when Michael Sarah, like Nick, pulls out of uh, uh, the like the little parking lot when his his ex Tris is giving that I, I guess very seductive dance for him. Little things like that, like he's sitting, meant... sitting there stone faced, unmoved <laughs> yeah. entirely by what he's watching. <laughs> Completely flaccid. He just could not. Like I just need to get out of this situation and be back with. May I make one. a suggestion to Trish? And it would be one you would approve of because you led our discussion. You know, you gave you know the song and dance about the mixtape, but what you really want to talk about was the fingering. Cause you, as soon as we turn to the movie, that's what, you, that's what you went with. <laughs> if Trish wanted to get Michael Sarah's attention, cause he's a worldly man. He's seen it all. Uh, might I have recommended the Cameron Diaz, uh, car dance from the counselor. Oh my <laughs> just God. Suction, <laughs> suctioning <laughs> up against his windshield. <laughs> Maybe that would have left a more, a bigger impression on Nick. <laughs> You know what? My my biggest problem with the movie is uh, Triss. She has too many strikes against her for like for me to even consider her. Like you're talking about like the twelfth mixtape breakup, uh, yeah. and she is a cartoon character uh, of an ex. Yes, um, you know yes. she's insensitive. She's belittling. Uh, she likes to to rub his nose in it that she's dating this older guy, this uh, college guy. Um, but then as soon as you know they, I, I guess the the meet cute physically the meet cute with Nick and Nora where he is faking to be her boyfriend, uh, Triss, the first bit of female attention that he has 
she immediately wants to discard this older guy and basically just ruin Nick's life all over again. Almost. I don't know. I don't know if it's, the, I don't know if it's the casting. I don't know if it's just the extreme nature of the character. You know, it just makes me feel tired for Nick, but that's, that's something I think it's hard to, it's hard to get back into that headspace. I think you put up with a lot more <laughs> abuse when you're younger, when you get older, um, yeah, absolutely. Do. Good Lord. Even, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like an old married couple, but you know, me and my wife have great affection for each other and it's, it's hard for us to find time in the day to just, just be nice to one another. Like we walk the dog and all this much less if someone's just going to be <laughs> routinely insulting to your face. That's not really a half hour. That's not a block of time. I'm going to set aside every day to be insulted. So that's my biggest issue with the film is I get tired of Tris even being in the picture. I, that's why I like his, his band members. Cause they're like, dude, this is horrible. Like the first <laughs> comely glass we see, we're going to hook you up, man. We're g- I don't think they look at Nora as like, Oh, she's the one. I just think they're like, you just need to, you just need an other one. You just need someone to show you that there, there can be a different romantic experience than this. Like one girlfriend you've had in your life. Certainly, and um, and they are the voice of reason. I will give them that. Uh, and that's kind of where we are, I think, right away with Michael Cera in the beginning of this film, where you're just, I think, as an audience, we're pleading to Nick. She's so obviously, Tris is so obviously horrible. Not even just for you, but seemingly in general. So, like, what do you need to do to ditch her and find this other experience and better yourself? And thankfully... That's what happens with Nora, and I, I like that the pretend to be my boyfriend happens. And you know what? One, one thing I also like, and it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know if this is a Boy Meets World reference or not, but I love that Nora already kind of has a relationship with Nick. The power of the mixtape is to understand somebody through the music, and that's why music is so powerful, that she's already heard several of his mixtapes, that, that Tris is so easily thrown away and the amount of work that nick goes through to create custom artwork for the disc and the case which is something i did as well that's why it hit me so hard (laughs) because i could see that other lady in my life just be like you know chuck it right out the uh well not the window but chuck it right out uh into the garbage and so i i think it's so wonderful that she already has a relationship with nick and she doesn't know it and it kind of all comes to fruition there's something really uh profound and sweet about all of that and and i'm glad that this movie exists and i and hopefully more people will gravitate towards it it's got a fantasy aspect to it right you have these you know their version of a message in a bottle these mixtapes oh yeah you know maybe not the person you intended them for but someone else is valuing what you're putting out there in the world i I think not from a romantic sense uh because both of us as far as know are uh, happily married uh and the only uh alternate form of intimacy we have is when we (laughs) you and i get together on skype and spend extended amount of time together Uh, (laughs) but it's it's similar with podcasting you're just throwing something out there i really have no idea who's listening sometimes you get feedback but you you hope that You know, it makes someone's day marginally better or they just they just like our voices for some reason or like sort of our combined viewpoints when we get together and have this this shared experience. Uh, But that's not something we participate in. And so I think that it's it's got that sort of creative bent to it that, you know, you would you would fantasize about that. Like there's someone out there that that appreciates what you're putting 
out to the world. But it's also, I mean, it also contributes to why I like Kat Denning's portrayal of this character so much is that she has all those, all those feelings and she realizes pretty quickly you know, who she's dealing with in that, that meet cute sequence. Yeah. But she's not like fawning. Actually, it makes her feel like she's sort of trespassed into something very personal with him. When she meets the actual person, I think she feels kind of bad uh, about herself, which is basically just a way for me to excuse all the lack of uh, human contact we get <laughs> with our podcasts. I, I'm just choosing to believe people <laughs> don't <laughs> don't want to, uh, you know, trespass into the uh, the creative process we have <laughs> on this podcast. That's my belief, anyway. Web. I recently posted, uh, you know, the little things that irk me when I'm editing an episode where it's a little fizz or a pop that I'm like, I can't mm. have that there because somebody who, who's listening and he's, they're going to notice that and they're going to stop listening because like, these guys don't know what they're doing. This is just an amateur, <laughs> you know, mom and pops podcast, not something that NPR would produce. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very much like NPR here as I go into my studio. Um, so, yeah, like, forgive us for, for our sins is what I'm saying. Or not. Go to hell. <laughs> Be happy with what you gave us. <laughs> we, we led with fingering. What more do you want from us? Ich erinnere mich, wir waren beide verdammt cool Doch innerlich dachte ich, spinner ich null Denn wann immer ich dachte, ich tu alles für sie War was immer ich machte für mich irgendwie Mit dieser Philosophie fuhr ich ein und frei Sorgenfrei an ihr vorbei Ich schätze, bin ein bisschen hochgeflogen, ungelogen Und hab sie dabei mit mir selbst betrogen Kluge Worte, was? Hinterher weiß man immer mehr Doch so sehr ich mich auch dagegen wehr Bleibt es schwer, aber wahr, ich bin leer Denn sie ist nicht da Ja, ja, wunderbar, tolle Rede, Mann Hört ich dich nicht mal sagen, dich lässt jeder ran Und jetzt schau dich an, wo bist du hingekommen? Ich sag's dir, sie ist weg und hat mich mitgenommen, 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 mitgenommen. Jetzt ist sie weg, weg Und ich bin wieder allein, allein Sie ist weg, weg Davor war schöner allein zu sein Jetzt ist sie weg, weg Und ich bin wieder allein, allein Sie ist weg, weg, weg.